on the block on demand. Without Jerry McIntyre, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board today. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app. That's a great way to stay in touch with the program. Maybe you're listening on your Alexa smart speaker. ESPN Syracuse is now on that smart speaker. Just search ESPN Syracuse on your Alexa app. Click Enable on the ESPN Syracuse skill, and you can tell Alexa to listen to ESPN Syracuse. Maybe you're listening on the good old-fashioned radio. We appreciate that, too. Any way you're taking in the program today, welcome. Glad you're here. Pull up a seat and enjoy some good old sports talk. Here's how you get yourself on the program. Get your voice heard on this show. We're a, we're a show of the people. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can always tweet me, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. All great ways to get in the touch with the show, get those hot takes aflowing. That's hot. Let's do it. We have two guests that will join us today. They will both join us in the 5 o'clock hour of the program. And uh, looking forward to speaking with both of these gentlemen who will join us. Our buddy Julian Wiggum, former Orangeman. Football analyst now on the Syracuse IMG Sports Network pre and post game, of course, of a familiar voice on this program. He will join me today, and I uh, am happy to announce that Julian will be in studio with me every Wednesday throughout the football season. If you follow Julian on Twitter, nobody provides better an- analysis of the team in a concise way that makes it relatable to the fan. He's got video breakdowns, he's got a fresh off the field perspective. So he is a terrific follow on Twitter if you're into that and should follow his analysis there. And he also does a great job breaking it down for us here. So we will have Julian in studio. We'll go through that first game, meat and potatoes football, what's breaking down in the secondary, what he liked from that first game, what you get out of a matchup with a team like Wagner, peek ahead a little bit to some games that maybe Syracuse can be competitive in, like Florida State, and talk all things SU football. Good mix of Meat and potatoes football talk, but uh, also in a way that makes it relatable for the fan to, you know, sound smarter. Go to the water cooler. Do people still go to the water cooler at work? Is that still a thing? Wherever it is. And you can sound a lot smarter about Syracuse football. That's why we bring Julian Wiggum on. We'll do it 
later in the show, 5.05, right here in studio. Matthew Fairburn will also join us in the 5 o'clock hour of the program from The Athletic, formerly of Syracuse.com. We'll talk some Bills, Nathan Peterman, the start of the NFL season tomorrow. Speaking of which, has Nike already won the Colin Kaepernick debate? As that has been just reignited and reignited and reignited. It's the tire fire of sports talk, meaning it doesn't go out, and it's a very polarizing thing. But they may have already won this, despite their plunging stock price. We'll get into that a little bit coming up. Hot takes on the way. We got a fight in the clubhouse. And watch what you say about your manager on, uh, I believe, Fortnite is where Will Myers of the San Diego Padres got caught uh, talking trash about his manager. See, playing that Fortnite, kids, can cost you. All that to come, but plenty of Syracuse football to get into. Two things on that front right off the top that I wanted to discuss. I wanted to get into some new things happening at the Carrier Dome, some new game day procedures, how they'll help, if they'll help. But... Look, Wagner's coming up this week. We will talk to Dino Babers on the show tomorrow. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. And I can tell you that in talking to Coach Babers, and you'll hear that interview on tomorrow's show as we do every Thursday, you know, it was the kind of week where, you know, I got more out of, you know, exchanging quotes from Tombstone, which was on television last night, than discussing this Wagner football game, honestly, because – As a coach, he can't really say what I can say, right? He can't get into the fact that this is essentially a practice game for Syracuse. He can't say that Syracuse is a 43-and-a-half-point favorite in this football game, that, you know, you want to have debates about when quarterbacks are playing when. That will be just not even a thought when Tommy DeVito runs on the field, perhaps in the first half, a little bit different in the Western Michigan game. In this game, it'll be expected. It's one of those, let's get through it, nobody get hurt, start three at home in a row, get some momentum flowing, get the younger guys in there. The new redshirt rule is in effect this year, so you can put some of those younger players in, get them that game experience that they need, and let's hone in on Florida State. Because the more I look at Florida State, and at first I was hesitant to buy into this, because Florida State still has a lot of really good athletes. Florida State, despite a down year last year, Jimbo Fisher was on the way out. They had a number of injuries, DeAndre Francois included. It was just a lost year. But they still have a lot of highly recruited, really good football players. But Florida State is still kind of recovering from a new coach coming in. I think Willie Taggart's going to do a great job eventually there. But any new coach, it takes time to put a system in, to get on the same page with his team, If you're going to snipe a team like that, playing them in the third game under a new coach on the road in what could be a pretty good environment at the Carrier Dome is the way to do it. Florida State looked vulnerable against Virginia Tech. Syracuse will not beat Florida State in the same manner that Virginia Tech did, who had 14 tackles for a loss in that game, has Bud Foster as their defensive coordinator, and many other ways that Virginia Tech just out-physicaled Florida State, You had Willie Taggart today saying that he felt that Virginia Tech was faking injuries in that game. I mean, this sounds like a coach coming up with excuses who had his butt handed to him in an opener. Florida State's offensive line has issues. Is that a Syracuse defense that has issues of its own? 
that can take advantage of that. I think if Syracuse is going to make this a game, they're going to need a few turnovers in their favor. They're going to have to win a shootout type of football game. Okay, but at the very least, right now, Florida State looks vulnerable. And I know I'm looking ahead to that game and looking past Wagner because I'm not sure what you get out of a Wagner game. It's just in reverse order. Last year you had the let's come out, get the practice game, get everybody flowing type of football game, and Syracuse lost the next week to Middle Tennessee State. We knew the factors in that. Do I have to go over the Scott Schaefer cigar smoking thing again? I don't think I have to, right? But new season, things are different. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. The big concern you have to have if you're a Syracuse football fan right now is how much has that defense improved? And they will not improve this week. It's empty calories. This is going down the midway at the state fair and having some fried dough, having some unhealthy, empty calories type of food that you eat, and 10 minutes later, you're hungry again. It does nothing for you. This is not a satisfying performance for the football team. Again, younger guys will get out there. They'll get game experience. But Wagner is a very vanilla football team. I mean, they might try a trick or two just to, you know, try and throw Syracuse off balance. But they've got a really good running back. And that's all I know about Wagner. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's really it. But from what I understand, from what they do, from some film that I've seen, just basic, I don't, you know, Wagner didn't really get a big segment on college game day this week. But they don't, it's not like they're coming, there's certain teams you play at that level that go at a high pace, that have had success there. Remember Villanova came in and punched Syracuse in the nose a couple years ago. You know, you play a team that has success at that level. Penn State just found out about this again. Why would you put Appalachian State on your schedule after what they did to Michigan. What was it? I think that was 10 years ago, as a matter of fact. Penn State won that game, but Wagner is nowhere near in that category. They were 4-7 and seven a year ago. They do have a lot of experience back. They've got a terrific running back, but they, they're just, I mean, even at that level, they were 4-7 and seven a year ago. So what do you take away from a game like this? Not much. But every team needs that one game on the schedule because you lack a preseason in college football to get the younger guys some playing time, get the things that you need worked out before the schedule gets real. And in Syracuse's case, it gets real when Florida State comes in. Now, we'll have more details on that as we go As we go here. They're already out there. There's you know some things that have been announced about this, but we'll be hyping it up on the air as we get closer. But next Friday, the 14th, there's a big pep rally downtown. It's going to be right in the Armory Square area, right by the most. We're going to be doing this show there with some pretty big guests that we're lining up, and it's going to go beyond our show. It's from 4 till 10. There's going to be live music and all kinds of fun things. It's That feels like a big game. That feels like there's something in the air. And Even though Florida State is not a ranked team anymore, they dropped out of the rankings and losing to Virginia Tech, that would still be a significant win, and that would be three years in a row. You'd be Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Florida State. And it would bring all the same attention back to Syracuse that they need. So that's what's on my mind here. Get through Wagner. Don't get hurt. I don't think anything significant comes out of this game other than getting reps and addressing some things that, you know, you can try and polish up before Florida State. The other thing that was put out there today, SU football-wise, was some new game day fan enhancements that John Wildhack announced earlier this afternoon. 
And I'm wondering if they're going to help. Let me phrase it this way. They will help the fan experience. I'm, I will give credit to Syracuse for doing everything they can to say, if you come to a game, we're going to take care of you in this fashion. Because they are fighting a losing battle. And the losing battle is it's simply more convenient to watch football at home these days. It just is. Every game is either on television or streamed. My bathroom's 10 feet away. I don't have to pay to park. I don't have to walk up a hill. I don't have to sit in a building for what can be three and a half, four hours. The Syracuse-Western Michigan game was four hours. Now, there was a lengthy injury delay in that game, to be fair, but you're scoring a lot of points, 55-42 football games. Those can drag on, right? There's television timeouts. There's all sorts of things in a society where people get twitchy and start looking at their phone or have other options. If I don't like what's going on here, I can switch to another game. I can put on Netflix. I can I can do other things. I'm not saying that's good that we've become such a short attention span society, but look, the fact of the matter is we have options. We have other things we can do. When I was a kid, I was thrilled to go to the Dome and sit there for three hours and watch a football game and not have to you know, have all the other extras, but... You know, that was 30 years ago. Boy, I'm getting old. Birthday's a week from today, as a matter of fact. Just saying, you know, just, you know, you know, if you'd like the address of the radio station to send a card. I mean, not that I'm asking you to do such a thing, but, you know, Seth Goldberg can tell you if you call him off the air. <laughs> but here's what they announced today. So they have improved traffic flow. Lyft, rideshare, Uber, a specific place to do that. They are going to have more pregame entertainment. So fans have asked for this. Something that John Wildhack stressed at this press conference today was, these are things you have asked for. What would get me to go back? What would get me to stay? What would get me to maybe go to another game or two? And you said these things. So the quad's going to be open three hours prior to kickoff. They're going to have more food and beverage gardens there. Live music, DJs, TV showing ESPN's college game day and other games in progress. The uh, marching band will be there, so you'll have more to kind of keep you occupied if you're there three hours before the game. They're improving ways to get into the carrier dome. They announced some of that stuff, the clear bag policy and everything. Remember that if you're going to the next three home games. They also announced that if you get there between three hours prior to the game up to a half hour up to the start of kickoff, you can get a voucher for 50% off concessions. Pre-game concession discount of 50% for all fans beginning when gates open, pardon me, that's two hours prior to the game, up until 30 minutes prior to kickoff. Students will get a discount beginning at the 10-minute mark in the third quarter. So they want you to stick around. Students arrive after halftime anyway most of the time, so that works out for them, right? So they're adding to the list. We know the Carrier Dome is getting a major renovation over the next four years. So they're going out of their way to ensure we're doing what we can to keep you here, to keep you entertained, to make you want to stay here, and we'll listen to more of your suggestions. The bottom line is, though, it's got to be the product on the field that keeps you there. That's great that I get a 50% discount on concessions, but once I eat my half-priced hot dog, I still got a three-hour football game to sit through. So they're going to do more things during the game, I know they're going to have like a, an in-game kind of television show thing going on. Our own Lisa Chalenza from Gomez and Lisa is going to be involved in that. And it's great. It's fantastic. But 
ultimately what sells fans on the program, what sells fans on the team, what gets people riled up is when you beat Clemson, when you beat Virginia Tech. When speeches go viral because of results on the field, not because I got a half-price hot dog at the game, which, again, is great that they're doing all these things and the new dome improvements and everything. You've got to keep up with the times. You've got to do all these things. But ultimately, you're fighting a losing battle. It is just more convenient for me to stay home and watch football. So what are you going to do to get me there? It's not even going to be that hot. That's not even an excuse this week. It's, <laughs> it's hot today. But by the time Saturday rolls around, I think there's a high of 70 on Saturday. It's going to be a nice, cool day, so you're not going to be sweating your tuchus off for four hours in the Carrier Dome. And that's interesting that they brought this up now. Because you've got three straight home games, they've always had these bulk of home games in September when, you know, the excuses start flying about, you know, leaf peeping and apple picking and all these sorts of things. But ultimately it comes down to, do you have a product I want to go see? And they're starting to build that. Wagner is not exactly a big selling point, but if you can build things up, if you can make that Florida State game competitive, give me a reason to believe that that could be an upset. That could be the third in line of three big games. Now we could be on to something. Ultimately, though, comes can you execute? Can you create turnovers? Can you do something in that game to swing the tide your way? Last year it was Kelly Bryant getting injured against Clemson. What can it be against Florida State? That's a vulnerable team. It's not going to be easy, but that is as vulnerable a Florida State team as I have seen. Even last year, and Syracuse only lost that game by three. Let's go to the phones a little bit before we take a break. We can continue this discussion on the other side. 437-7644. Chris in Syracuse on the block with us here. Chris, lead things off today, bud. What's up? Hey, Brent. How's it going there? It's going great, man. What's cooking? Well, you did hit on some key points. As far as uh, just the overall, you know, the game day experience, I applaud them for trying to enhance things, you know, make things better for the the fan base. That's great. But like you referenced, ultimately, it is about the product on the field, and it will always be that. Now, you know, Syracuse has scheduled some more, you know, viable opponents this year going into this. So, you know, the fact this guy's had years of recruiting to try to, Enhances base, that's fine. But, you know, we have cupcakes on the schedule, like, like a Wagner. Well, everybody and, you know, you puts go, cupcakes on the schedule, Chris. Syracuse is not unique in that sense. Yeah, I, I understand that. And, you know, if you go back to, you know, like McNabb's last days in, back in 98, who did we play that year? Well, we had Tennessee to start off, and then we went to Michigan. Yeah, and they almost so, beat both of those teams, by the way. They did yeah, beat Michigan well, and were a bad know, call away from beating Tennessee. That's the whole point I'm trying to enforce here is that that's also, when you have a they, name program coming to the Dome, people come out to see a name a name school. You know, They're not going to come out to see a Wagner, and that is counterproductive Chris, in my estimation. Chris, you cannot schedule Michigan, Tennessee, big programs like that week in and week out. Every school does this. So why should Syracuse be different and load up their non-conference schedule with those teams. And by the way, did you see their schedule last year? Miami, LSU, all those teams that they played? I mean, I don't know what you're asking for here. Like, well, every team does it, We did Chris. not do anything last year except for be competitive on the field. It comes down to a win and loss. You're you right know, about you that. You're right that it comes down to the, the product on the field and being competitive there, but I'm not sure what you're asking them to do in terms schedule wise, like everybody's got a throwaway game on the schedule. Every single team. Go look at every schedule in major college football. Alabama 
does it. Clemson just played Furman, okay? Everyone does it. So what you have to do to overcome that is I want to come see you play, right? I want to come see my team run by a Wagner. And I think the product is getting there. You know, the entertaining offense and the high-scoring philosophy of, of Dino Babers, is that enough? That's the question. What you brought up was 20 years ago, right? What I brought up was a year ago. They did schedule up. LSU was in the Carrier Dome two years ago. I mean, there has been some major non-conference games here. You're in the, one of the, you know, the ACC didn't have a great weekend, but by and large, the ACC in recent years has been one of the tougher conferences in college football. The Atlantic Division has Clemson, has Florida State, has Louisville, has NC State, which has been improved in recent years. So you got to find that balance. And for a program that wants to make bowl games every year, making the schedule tougher, you know, Paul Pasqualoni used to say it, the hottest fire makes the strongest steel, right? But is that a, you know, let's pick up this discussion on the other side because I've got to get a break in before Seth comes in here and tackles me. Chris isn't completely wrong to bring that up, but I think it's short-sighted to be like, well, they got Wagner on the schedule. That's not going to get people there. Well, it's part of the process, though, right? We'll discuss that next. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. On the Block! Hey, the voice guy just said that. Presented by Fusillo Automotive. Who's along here on a Wednesday? Let's get to it, shall we? we got a fancy open Ford and everything. we got some takes. They're hot. They're called hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Uh, From Twitter. You gotta love Twitter. Uh, Brent, I would sooner put an ice pick through my eardrum than listen to another dome attendance discussion. Uh, In the words of the great Rachel Phelps from Major League. Well, cross him off then. I'll put you down as a no. Uh, I uh, I teased this before the break. Can we all agree on something here? And if I'm wrong on this, am I about to do one of those stupid radio stunt things? Yes, I am. If I am wrong about this one, I will eat something really disgusting on the air. Like you can, I don't like you can walk out on the street, find something, and I will eat it live on the radio. Okay. Eric Dungey is not winning the Heisman Trophy. We all agree on this, right? I hope I'm wrong on that because that'd be a hell of a thing. But the Heisman Trophy, he plays the right position anyway. He puts up the right numbers, but it always goes to someone who plays for, say, Alabama or Clemson or a program that loses either one game a year, no games a year, like a program like that. But if you're into this kind of thing, the odds are out. Because last night, Odd Shark tweeted that Dungy had plus 800 odds at the Heisman, which would have been tied for fifth best in the country with the Oregon quarterback, Justin Herbert. See, as it turns out, see, that was actually plus 8,000. So there was a typo on the thing. But, hey, the newest ESPN.com Heisman watch I did get three points, which placed him 10th on the list. 
in all seriousness, the fact that he is in this discussion, that people are recognizing it, they see the numbers he puts up, what kind of quarterback he is. Again, if Syracuse pulls off an upset against Florida State next week, that doesn't get you quite in the discussion like beating a ranked team would, but it's still a name enough program. People are like, okay, come on, that's three years in a row Syracuse has pulled off one of these things. He's an exciting player. I think people respect what he does. They like his attitude. What did he say last night? Do we have sound of this? But at the player availability last night, he was talking about wanting to, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, and the fact that Stephen A. Smith is like a spirit animal for this team, is like the guiding force of this team, gave that he gave, pardon me, a big speech to the team before the season start, and you have your starting quarterback coming to media sessions referencing Stephen A's speech to the team. Like, this, my head is exploding right now. How long can I take that take? But the fact that Eric Dungy is citing a speech by Stephen A. Smith saying that they need to go out and annihilate opponents is both weird but really cool at the same time, right? So they got that going for him, which is nice, right? But that's hot. He's not winning the Heisman. Slow your roll there, kids. We got a fight. Fight in the clubhouse. The Mariners got into a skirmish. I like that word, skirmish, in the clubhouse before last night's game. D. Gordon asked reporters to leave the clubhouse and shut the door. Shortly after that, a skirmish, which appeared to involve pushing and shoving, broke out. Eventually, the fight smashed through the doors, and reporters saw it anyway. Nice job trying to keep it behind closed doors, right? Uh, reportedly, the skirmish was between Gordon and Gene Segura, which apparently stemmed from an error that Gordon made on the field the night before. Uh, the Mariners lost last night. This does not inspire them to go out there and win the game. Elsewhere from baseball, Will Myers has to apologize to Padres manager Andy Green. Okay, well, let, let's go through the options here of why a player would have to apologize to a manager. Was he upset about his position on the field? No? Okay, no. Uh, did the manager like do something like ban music in the clubhouse or something and that made him? It was not that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Did he get sent to the minors? That's always no. Uh, okay. Now the Padres, Paulie Sibilius Padres, who I remind you are the worst team in the National League with a 55-86 record. Uh, why did Will Myers have to apologize to Padres manager Andy Green? Well, Myers was heard on a stream of Fortnite complaining about having to do fielding drills. Quote, it's so miserable, man. It's insane. Andy could not be any worse than he is right now. See, this all comes back to something I've said for a long time. And I know I'm screaming into like a vacuum here and nothing will ever come of this. But baseball season is one month too long. Right? We've played 140-plus games. We know who the haves and the have-nots are. And people say, what about those great pennant races? What about coming down to the end? Yeah, that would be happening now. Right? We would be deciding these things now. None of that would go away. There would still be divisions that would have to be decided. There would still be a lot of competitive things going on. Baseball is a month too long. You've got players complaining about having to do fielding drills. You've got the Mariners getting fights in the clubhouse. You got the Red Sox coming back from down 7-1 earlier today to beat the Atlanta Braves. Bing, bang, boom. But baseball's a month too long. 
It's a month too long. That's hot. Don't need 162 games anymore. 140, we're fine. We got it. What am I going to learn in 20 games that I don't know already? Can't wait to hear more great stories through the month of September. September call-ups that I've never heard of doing big things, players going through the motions just to get to October. Like, this is going to be enthralling. Yeah, there'll be a pennant race or two. Fantastic. I know Jacob DeGrom's the Cy Young winner. I know who the MVPs of each league are. I know who, I know everything right now. Don't need September. Tell me what that is. It's a month too long. I wonder what Julian Wiggum thinks about this because we're going to have Julian in studio in a few minutes. He's a former player now getting into the media. He's still connected to the program and that he just played a couple years ago. He's a part of the Syracuse IMG Sports Network, but I think Julian does a great job in giving fans honest analysis because that's what they want from somebody in his position. And I bring this up because there's an interesting story out there. Did you guys see this? Former Michigan receiver and Big Ten Network analyst Braylon Edwards was suspended by the Big Ten Network. Now, anytime you're hiring a former player to be an analyst, if you're expecting said former player to be objective about their school, I don't know what you're watching because you're not going to get that. You are not going to get 100% objective analysis. You don't get it from any one of them. Okay? I don't care how far removed you are. I don't care how good you are at your job. Like Kirk Herbstreit, I think, does as good a job as anybody. But when I heard Kirk Herbstreit talk about Urban Meyer, I heard a biased individual. And that's fine. We all have biases in sports, pretending like this is all Walter Cronkite here and understand the fake news discussion and the media and where we are today. Yay, democracy! Exactly. It's it's kind of a hot-button topic, but... Your first problem is expecting a player like this to be objective, but he criticized Michigan players on Twitter, calling out individual players, apologizing, saying, quote, I admit I was excessive and emotional and inebriated, (laughs) admitting the guy is drunk. Mix those together, but the focus of my tweets remains intact. I stand by that. Is that really an apology? I was a little over the top, I was emotional, I was drunk, but uh, the focus of my tweets remains intact. Edwards said his mistake was naming individual players, specifically quarterback Shea Patterson and others. Now, this is the balance you have. Major college football players, major college football programs, when they achieve things like, say, Syracuse beating Clemson a year ago, they want all the accolades that come with that, right? That's when they're what? Young men. But when they get criticized, that's when they're boys. They're 18 to 22-year-old young men when they achieve things. When they get criticized, when they get called up by name, even though they are presented on national television programs, schools are making millions of dollars off of these programs, off of these players. When they get criticized by name, we want to protect them. This is the balance you have in college football. And what I have always said is, they're big boys. They can take it. If you're getting personal, that's one thing. And I think that Braylon Edwards got a little bit too personal. But you can call out individual players and criticize their play. That's part of being a major Division I college football player. It's time to suck it up, be a big boy, and take the criticism. Again, if I'm going on this radio show and making fun of Eric Dungy's girlfriend, okay, that's a little different. But if I'm saying, you know, Eric Dungy 
threw four interceptions in that game, and it's an unacceptable performance, and Tommy DeVito has to replace him as the starting quarterback, then you know what? Suck it up, Buttercup. That's part of what we do. It's part of being in the spotlight. It's always amazing to me that difference, though. Those young men went out and triumphed today. Well, what happens when they lose 55 nothing? Oh, they're just boys. Come on, they're just boys. It's funny how that works, isn't it? And one more note in hot takes here. That's hot. I spent a lot of time on Colin Kaepernick, but I will say this. Nike has already won. Nike has already won. Did their stock take a little bit of a hit? Yes. But stocks recover, and Nike's stock will recover. It has been the talk of not only sports media, but even beyond that. Yes, people are burning shoes, and the president took a swipe at him, and you know, conservative media is having a field day with it. But see, the thing is, you've got to remember something about Nike. They know their customers. They know their market. And the major voices out there that are protesting, I'm never going to do this again, that are being critical, don't buy Nike gear. Nike's market is mostly 35 and younger. And the parents that buy them, that gear. Now, will some parents say, I'm not buying you that stuff? Sure. I'm not saying this won't put a little bit of a dent in Nike, but they knew what they were doing. The buildup, the free advertising from this has been over the top. They're going to air a commercial on tomorrow's NFL opening game. It's online now. You can watch it. It's a brilliant ad, and I have been as critical as Kaepernick as anybody. It's a brilliant commercial. This is only going to continue, and, you know, Nike's good at this selling by controversy thing, so Burn all the shoes you want, which, by the way, is stupid. Donate them. You're so offended by Kaepernick taking a knee, which you feel is offensive to veterans in the military. Well, why don't you donate your Nike gear to, you know, homeless vets or the Salvation Army or somebody that can get good use out of it, right, instead of burning it. But to me, Nike has already won. They have won this. You think Nike's going to capsize because of this? I'm going to be just fine. It's a brilliant play on their part, and they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew the controversy that would ensue from it. They already won. They're the main NFL marketing partner. They provide the gear for the National Football League. When you watch NFL games and some of I'm never watching football again, that's fine. Plenty of people still do. You know that 60 of the top 100 television shows last year were football games, and they're all wearing Nike gear. That little swoosh can be on TV plenty. On that note, we'll break. Julian Wiggum in studio. Oh, we got lots of football stuff to discuss with him. Matthew Fairburn, later in the show, you're on the block, ESPN Radio. Hang in there. Thank you. Bye-bye.